So, Dale, I don't know how much you know about therapy, but it usually starts by you telling me a little something about yourself. I thought there'd be couches and Kleenex and shit. Look at me, Sam. It's not your fault. Do you want to talk about some of those feelings? I love you. Obviously, you don't know me. So how is this supposed to work? You sit, I sit, we talk. Hi, I'm Dr. Sam. And I'm Dr. Fran. Welcome to Freudian Scripts. The podcast where we put your favorite TV shows and movies on the hypothetical couch and take a deeper dive into the way psychology is portrayed. We analyze the way therapy looks in entertainment, discuss the way psychological diagnoses are portrayed, and break down other psychological themes seen on our screens. As a reminder, Freudian Scripts is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your mental health professional with any questions and seek care if needed. The content and clips in today's episode will contain explicit language and mature and adult themes. Hello there, and welcome back. We're really excited today to be launching our very new mini session series. And we're especially excited because it's just in time to celebrate and honor Pride Month. So for today's session, we're introducing our first Real Rounds session. And for those of you who can't read it, it's spelled R-E-E-L. It's very punny. Dr. Sam came up with it. (laughs) Real Rounds. Get it? I love puns. Yeah, and we, you know, as you'll see as we develop these new mini sessions, they all have really like cutesy names to help you remember kind of what we're covering within that mini session and kind of the new formats that we'll be laying out. So for some context for our new real rounds, medical rounds are a type of like a type of professional meetings where patients in the hospital oftentimes will meet with the doctors, nurses, other members of the healthcare team just to discuss like any concerns they might have and what the treatment plan is and kind of how progress is going. So for our Real Rounds mini sessions, we're going to be rounding on specific topics. And so we will discuss various clips and share information related to those concepts. And we're kind of envisioning it like the the patients being the movie clips or the show or the topic that we're kind of covering. And then we're going into the different rooms to kind of discuss like what we're being shared. And each week, Dr. Fran and I select um, different clips to present to each other and kind of share information and kind of um, discuss it in the clinic room, so to speak. And because these are supposed to be mini sessions, Dr. Sam and I always love to share as much information as possible. And we also know <laughs> that we can't share everything. Um, so we may not be able to go into quite as much detail as this is a mini session, not a full session. Um, So we won't be doing quite as deep of a dive as we normally do to help us cover these topics. But as always, we will provide additional resources on our website and you'll likely hear us refer to if you want more information, check out our website, check out our social media pages, things like that so that you can get more content that we are not able to cover as in depth during the session. Yes. And so definitely check that out. And you know, with Dr. Fran and I too, there are certain topics that we're always just like passionate about or interested in. So it's likely we'll also cover these topics in the future sessions as well or kind of take a deeper dive. Um, but we're hoping that these mini sessions will help us like be very relevant and stay on top of like um, really interesting or topics that arise or maybe certain clips or certain shows that are really popular so that we can be more timely with that as well. So we're really excited. We hope you enjoy the first ever Real Rounds. Mm-hmm. 
So as Dr. Sam mentioned, we are excited to be having our theme be relevant to Pride Month. So we are wrapping up most Pride celebrations, I believe, in the U.S. are taking place this coming weekend um, or have been taking place throughout this month. So for today's Real Rounds, we'll be rounding on clips to honor and celebrate Pride Month. And in particular, we really wanted to spend this mini session highlighting the experiences of transgender women of color, an often underrepresented and marginalized group, even within the LGBTQ plus community. We especially wanted to feature this group, given the role that transgender women of color have played in fighting for LGBTQ plus rights and contributing to the movement that we know to be Pride Month today. Um, we won't get into all the details of how Pride Month kind of developed over time and the history of it, but we will put some additional resources on our website and highly recommend learning a little bit more about kind of the origins of Pride Month and kind of where it came from and the role of transgender women of color in kind of starting and continuing to advocate for LGBT rights and Pride Month in general. Yes, just so important. And of course, today in our Real Rounds, it's just going to be a snippet of some of the representation of transgender women of color that we see in the media or have seen in the media recently. So please do check out the website. And in case you haven't been there yet or you've just forgotten, it is freudianscripts.com. So not hard. (laughs) Very easy to remember. Yes. Um, So, you know, with our focus on highlighting the portrayal of and representation of transgender women of color in the media, The first show we're going to be rounding on today is Orange is the New Black. So this is a popular Netflix drama which focused on the experiences of women in a women's prison. Um, So I know that the series has since ended, but it's still available on Netflix if you're interested in watching. And we're going to be talking about the character of Sophia Bursett, who was played by Laverne Cox. Um, And Laverne, very excitingly, was actually the first transgender person to be nominated for an Emmy Award in any acting category for her role in Orange is the New Black and actually went on to be nominated, I think, um, year after year for her role as well. Um, And as you may know, she really is a pioneer in in the industry as such a phenomenal actress and also just a really... um, a really passionate advocate for LGBTQ+, and in particular, transgender rights. Her character, like I mentioned, Sophia, is a black transgender female who is in the prison, Litchfield Prison, if you watch the show. Um, And she really, we watch her as she navigates managing being the only trans woman in the prison and is experiencing transphobia directed at her by both the inmates and the staff of the prison. Um, So during the series, Sophia is sent, and I think this is one of the most, like, heartbreaking experiences that Sophia goes through, of which there are unfortunately many unpleasant experiences, but she is sent to solitary confinement really for the a large majority of a whole season, and they call it in the show The Shoe. So she's sent to solitary confinement for her own, her own protection because she gets into a feud with another character. It does turn physical, and then there's a lot of retaliation of a lot of the other um, inmate characters kind of threatening her, making really rude comments, and then trying to um, uh, physically assault her. So she is sent to solitary confinement. Um, I think it's a really important topic, and we want to just start off by listening to Laverne Cock, the actress, speak about this portrayal in the show. Well, what people should know is that trans folks are, um, usually trans women are housed in men's prisons. It's very rare that um, trans women are in women's prisons, like my character Sophia Brissett. And often they're, um, trans women are placed in men's prisons and then are placed in solitary confinement for our protection. They, they um, prison officials um, reason that it's probably not safe for a woman to be in a men's prison, and so instead of maybe 
putting them in a women's prison, they put them in solitary confinement. And human rights um, 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 folks all over the world um, agree that solitary confinement is tantamount to cruel and unusual punishment, yes. which is a violation of our Eighth Amendment. And people who've been in solitary for just 24 hours or a week um, can have um, side effects from that for the rest of their lives, hallucinations, paranoia, suicidal tendencies. Um, it's a really horrible, dangerous practice, um, solitary. And when we... Um, got to explore, when I got to explore this storyline on Orange is the New Black with my character, I did a lot of research too. And I think, I hope we do a good job on the show of bringing you into Sophia's mind state in, this, in the state of mind for people who are in solitary and what that does to someone. I love that we're able to pull Laverne's own commentary and even the research she's done on. Obviously, she has done a lot more research on this information than like either Dr. Sam and I have and, you know, has even some lived experience of being a transgender woman of color and then kind of learning about like how in that role she can portray this character dealing with solitary confinement. So I really appreciate that we're able to kind of pull in her own words about kind of what inspired her acting in this role and also the real life experiences that transgender women of color unfortunately do face in the prison population. And unfortunately, you know, we did come across a report on solitary confinement for women in prisons that was done by the ACLU. And they did, you know, they echoed everything that Laverne mentioned that solitary confinement is often used in the prison setting on the most vulnerable individuals. And so oftentimes this can be prisoners who are pregnant, have mental illness, transgender women and other LGBTQ people in the prison setting Um, and women of color especially black women are held in solitary confinement at rates that are much higher than those of white women Um, and the research that has been done in this area does hypothesize or does say that this disparity is really due to racist presumptions about women of color and their criminality and kind of the way people perceive them to not be compliant uh, within the prison setting so there is discrimination related to this And as we heard Laverne talk about, for transgender women in the prison setting, this is often done to quote-unquote protect them, to keep them away from the general population so that they cannot become a victim of violence or sexual assault, um, which is just so unfortunate, as she also mentioned, that there are really long-lasting negative impacts related to being in solitary confinement and is really not the most appropriate way to protect people. Yeah, and we won't spend a ton of time on it today, but unfortunately we do see that Sophia in the show does have a lot of long-term negative consequences of having experienced solitary confinement, especially for that long of a period, um, and goes on to have a lot of mental health concerns. And you can just imagine um, just how awful that experience is and then kind of the repercussions of that. So I do think even though it's a very difficult topic to see and to discuss, it's important to kind of bring light to an issue that is real life and that is going on um, for people in the prison setting. Another thing we see highlighted in the show, um, and this isn't necessarily specific only to the prison population, but we see that there's kind of an added complication of having access um, specifically to hormone medications within an incarceration setting. Yes. And so, you know, this is another struggle that the character Sophia really encounters throughout the course of the series. Um, and in particular, at one point, she is denied access to her medication. So let's le- hear her talking to um, prison leadership about her medications and why she needs them and trying to advocate for having, you know, for regaining access to them after they've been taken away. Bottom line is that the prison can no longer provide high end hormones. If I don't get my medication, I'm going through withdrawal, hot flashes, night sweats, my face will sag, my body hair will start okay, to grow we don't back. Need to get Let it. me explain this for you. When my penis was split in half and inverted, my testes were removed. 
So I don't have any testosterone left to replace the estrogen okay, that you've taken okay. away from me. What do you want from me? I want to see a doctor. You can't go to the clinic unless it's an emergency. This is an emergency. Yeah, well, we don't see it that way. Was there something else? Yes. I'd like to report an emergency. So what you can't see in this clip because you're only hearing the audio is that what Sophia does when the guard tells her that it's not an emergency is she actually grabs some pills off of his desk and takes them and then says, now it's an emergency. I need to see a doctor. And it's just so unfortunate that she has been led to putting herself in danger by like ingesting pills that like she doesn't even know what they are or like what the effects might be on her, but that she feels that that is the only way that she can be seen by a medical provider to get access to medication that is very important to her. The whole scene is just very frustrating because she's trying to express like why the medication is important, why it is necessary for her. And the guard, he just continues to, you know, be very dismissive. He's not listening. He's not validating her feelings. And he's even just like, what do you want from us? Like, we don't like she says this is an emergency. And he says, we don't see it that way. So just very dismissive and just, you know, unfortunate. And this is a medical need for this character, Sophia. She's trying to get help and they won't even let her see the doctor. Um, And I think that really across these scenes that we see with Sophia, that is the most um, like heart-wrenching bit of it is that she's constantly, even in solitary, they tell her she's there for protection um, and she's constantly reaching out for help. Like, well, if I'm here for protection, why are you still treating me this certain way? And she's trying to advocate for herself and her pleas and her efforts again and again go unnoticed and ignored, um, which kind of leads her to having to engage in different behaviors to get the help or the assistance that she needs. So it's just very... um, you know, very unfortunate. What I love most about the first three seasons and Sophia's sort of evolution is that our show is not afraid to touch on real issues. The fact that Sophia was denied her hormones in prison is something that happens too far too many incarcerated transgender people all over the country. And I guess we conclude with rounding on Orange is the New Black. I want to say that unfortunately, as we have discussed, that both of these portrayals are accurate. We do know that these are occurring in the prison settings for transgender women, and in particular transgender women of color. And the National Center for Trans Equality states, and they have found that transgender people face physical and sexual assault at much higher rates than their counterparts. And they are 10 times as likely to be sexually assaulted by their fellow inmates as well as physically assaulted. And they do often face denials of medical care and lengthy stays in solitary confinement. So, you know, this is just one example of an organization that does this type of research and advocates along with others who do this important type of work for the rights of transgender people, including improving the standards faced by transgender people in prison. Yeah, and I think that's helpful to point out of that you know, we're not doing our DSM-5 diagnosing shows and movies today, and this wouldn't really fall in that category anyway, but it does seem like a lot of the information that's presented, at least about Sophia in this role and the challenges that transgender women of color may be facing in the prison setting are pretty accurate, unfortunately. And we would love to believe that these things don't happen, but research shows us that they do and that there needs to be, you know, more things put in place to prevent um, these these people from being treated in so unfairly and poorly. Yes. And, you know, um, kudos to Orange is the New Black. It is based off of a memoir, but, you know, the show was very popular um, and it did bring attention and it did, 
shine light on a lot of important topics, um, especially for people from vulnerable populations, including transgender women of color. Um, And we do know that black transgender women in particular are incarcerated at 10 times the rate of the general population. Um, And as we heard Laverne Cox say, they're often placed in prisons with men. So just a very important group of people that, you know, do need protection and that there does need to be more attention brought to this uh, cause. Well, as we wrap up talking about Orange is the New Black, we'll shift our focus a bit to round on Pose. So Pose is a FX drama. It has seasons one and two available on Netflix, and it's set in the 1980s, focusing on New York City's underground ballroom culture. Um, And full disclosure, I'm only midway through season two, so I haven't caught up yet. I believe the final season, which is season three, just finished airing on FX. So hopefully that comes out on Netflix soon. But also, I didn't really know much about underground the underground ballroom scene um, as portrayed in the show. So I wanted to give a little bit of context here. Sure. Uh, so the ballroom culture was seen as an underground LGBT subculture, mostly comprised of Black and Latinx trans individuals and gay men. Um, the goal was really to compete for prizes, you know, and kind of walk for trophies and um, sometimes cash prizes, things like that. It's definitely heavily depicted in the show. Um, and there's also a component where people in the ballroom scene were part of a house, um, meaning that each part, each participant was a member of a specific house or a ballroom unit that had its own leadership, its own rules. So this is another thing very heavily portrayed in the show where there's maybe like a house mother, or a house father, there might be other members of the family, and that that really kind of in a way can serve as a family unit for people, especially who have been ostracized or rejected from their families of origin. Um, so what we see in the show is that the series follows the main character Blanca, played by MJ Rodriguez, as she navigates the ballroom culture and starts her own house. She becomes a house mother and she really wants to take on providing support and a safe space for youth that have been rejected by their birth families like that are in with the LGBT community. So very heartwarming, a lot of great characters in this show. Um, and it also highlights some really difficult struggles that people in the LGBT community faced at that time and still are facing now. So some other themes that come up are the HIV and AIDS epidemic, job and housing discrimination, and violence against transgender individuals. Yes. And so as Dr. Fran mentioned, you know, just a very interesting idea uh, for a show and gives like a really nice and interesting glimpse to like a certain population that a lot of people might not have known about, just like the underground uh, ballroom subculture that she mentioned. Um, And it does depict various topics. So one of the topics um, that we wanted to round on today when thinking about Pose or watching Pose is violence, aggression or discrimination that can occur against transgender women of color. Um, So kind of similar what we heard about when we were talking about Orange is the New Black is even outside of the prison setting, transgender women of color are at an increased risk for being the victims of violence. And more than one in four trans people have faced a bias-driven assault, and the rates are much higher for trans women and trans people of color. And we unfortunately, we see similarly high rates of discrimination in this population. So, um, for example, we see a lot of disparities in like the employment rate. So about 26% of black trans individuals are unemployed. And then we also see that with, um, you know, housing with 41% of black trans people having been homeless. That's more than five times the general population. Uh, and then also having, you know, lower levels of income. And then um, as we kind of referenced before, there are 
can be a high rate of suicide attempts among this population as well. This is a theme that does come up in Pose, and we won't spend time going over every single instance of discrimination or violence that takes place in the show. But I did want to highlight one in particular, um, a scene where Blanca is trying to start her own business. She wants to open a nail salon, and she is having some issues with her landlady. You are trespassing. I paid you first and last. This is my place for at least two months. You deceived me. I can work with thieves and murderers, but I cannot do business with a liar. Norman Properties reserves the right to evict tenants at any time. Wait, I'm sorry. Was that written in my rental contract? The one you told me we didn't need? You know, I talked to those nice people at New York City Commission of Human Rights. They're in charge of making sure people like you don't discriminate against people of color when renting to us. And they set me up with a nice lawyer pro bono. And she said, without a contract, I've got squatters' rights. And I should stay put until I have my day in court. Sweetheart, I've got an entire law firm on retainer. I've got the best Jews from Harvard and Yale ready to squash you like a bug. You know, for the first time in my life, I'm fighting back to the bitter end. I'm not here to gentrify neighborhoods so white ladies like you can feel comfortable walking down the street. I'm here for me. It's not just Jews I have in my Rolodex. I've got Italians, Russians, ones that can be very persuasive. Are you threatening me? Only your kneecaps. You think I'm scared of a beating? I've had more beatings than you had breakfast. Now shoot, I have a grand opening in two days. You'll hear from my lawyers. So just so much discrimination um, in that clip, you know, just the language that is used by the landlady. Um, But what we also see in that scene is Blanca being very resourceful, right? She's already connected with resources and people that can help her in her plight against this landlady who obviously was trying to... um, manipulate and take advantage of her um and she's really sticking up for herself and advocating for herself so you know while this landlady is horrific we definitely get to see some really nice strengths from blanca yeah absolutely this scene gives me chills i think especially because they like play this really empowering music in the background but we really do see that like she's even using the fact that she has dealt with like beatings before and discrimination and these horrible things in the past. In the, in psychology, we sometimes use the term like post-traumatic growth, which is kind of finding some way of finding meaning or resilience or strength in the time after experiencing trauma or like really difficult experiences. So we're essentially seeing that she's using that to be able to empower and advocate for herself and really stand up for herself, which I think is just a really, it really highlights just her character. I think this is a great representation of Blanca in general, not always not just standing up for herself, but other, um, you know, her house children or like other people in the show in general. And I think we really wanted to highlight this clip and this theme in general of resiliency among transgender women of color, because we do oftentimes talk about those negative or those difficult experiences, you know, being uh, victimized in a lot of different ways, but that's not the only narrative that we want to portray. And that's not the only piece of these people's lived experience and really wanting to also highlight that there is more to that and that there is this beautiful kind of growth and strength and resilience that we also want to make sure to highlight as well. And what research shows us is that there are a lot of different ways that people exhibit resilience and strength and that they can cope with these difficult stressors. So there might be some internal things like we see Blanca demonstrating some like resourcefulness or like different things like Dr. Sam already alluded to. We also know that that strength and coping and resilience can come from outside supports as well. 
Yes. And so a big a big factor that we know that can be important and help to foster that resilience and strengthen individuals is acceptance. And so as we see, unfortunately, in the clip with Blanca, while her landlady might not be very accepting, um, she has created a family, especially within her house, it seems like, and other people that she feels close to that do help her feel like she is accepted and they are affirming and she can be who she wants to be and thrive with opening her own business and the things that she's striving towards, which can be a really important factor for helping to foster that resilience. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, I think we should play a clip of the actress who plays Blanca, MJ Rodriguez, talking about acceptance and how important that is in her own life. My parents are my foundation. This is my daddy, y'all. I'm sorry, Daddy, you want um, on speaker and you on the camera. We were just talking about how you and my mother and, you know, Cynthia were big. And how we support you and how we are there for you no matter what. I love you, Daddy. I'm going to see you in a second. I love you, too. All right. I hope that when they see the love that my parents show me, the kids can have the courage to be open with their parents and their parents can have the courage to be open with their children. This is just such a great example, highlighting those factors of resilience and just kind of the accepting nature. I love what she said there, like kind of trying to be an example for others where, you know, children can be open with their parents. Parents can be open with their child. Um, And we know that youth in particular, as she's alluding to there, um, can be at higher risk for suicide attempts if they, you know, due to discrimination in the way that they're treated by others. And we know that this also significantly is decreased if there's at least just one accepting adult in their life. So really having that acceptance and support from an adult um, can go a long way and lead to better long-term outcomes for these individuals. Yeah, and I love what she highlights there in terms of representation, right? Dr. Sam and I are a broken record talking about the importance of uh, representation. And I love that we were able to highlight in this episode multiple transgender women of color actresses that are playing transgender women of color roles. Um, and actually, Pose has featured the largest cast of transgender actors in more like regular series roles. And they've also been um, nominated for multiple Golden Globes. And they have the largest recurring cast of overall LGBTQ actors ever for a scripted series. So making a lot of really big, important um, changes and movements uh, in general for this population. Which is such an important movement, really. Like we talked about Laverne Cox. She's often hailed as like a pioneer and really, you know, um, she's sprung to fame like in Orange is the New Black. Um, And as we talk about, you know, helped to increase the representation of transgender women, black transgender women in TV shows on the screens, as we've talked about. Um, And now with a show like Pose, which is featuring the largest cast of transgender actors, you know, Dr. Fran, as as she mentioned, and as I'll mention, and we'll mention a million times over, you know, we think it's really important for people to be able to see people that are like them in the TV and represent them in that way. And so these are two um, just positive examples of that. And there's a, you know, we've mostly been talking about uh, MJ Rodriguez, the actress who plays Blanca. There is another uh, pretty key character, Angel, uh, played by India Moore. And I do want to play a quick clip of her talking about the importance of representation, not just of transgender women, but also representing the culture and the history um, as it as it actually happened. Bomb scene has been demonized and, and kept in the dark for so long. And, and the LGBTQ people have been kept in the dark for so long to the point that we created our own world. And now everybody wants a piece of it. A greater thing when you uplift yeah. the people who created this because they have been ignored, because they've been pushed down. You know, so I think in any instance where we want to be a part of 
the world belonging to people who have been disinvited from the world. We have to make sure that we really connect with these people. We have to make sure that we see each other as one family. And, and I think that's that that's the only way for integration to happen without it being seen as appropriation. I really love that sentiment of just lifting others up, you know, kind of putting that positive, as we've talked about, just resilience and that kind of positive outlook on things. And like instead of, you know, she talks about in that clip just the history of transgender people being like kept in the dark and being oppressed and then being able to finally tell their story, be represented, continue that representation, and really like shining the light and lifting other people up. I think that that's just like a really nice sentiment. Yeah, so absolutely recommend this show. I'm looking forward to seeing how it ends since I am behind, um, but planning to catch up on it. But I do highly recommend it. Of like again, it's a story about kind of the history of the ballroom scene told by and for transgender individuals, a group that has you know haven't really had the opportunity to tell their story in this way before. Yeah, so I think today's Real Rounds, really highlighting the stories of transgender women of color being played by transgender women of color. So, you know, Dr. Fran and I, we love to see this type of representation. We're glad that these important stories are being told, and we hope that this trend continues. Absolutely. And we really appreciate everyone joining us for our first Real Rounds. We had a lot of fun planning it, and we hope to bring some more mini sessions, in particular, some more Real Rounds in the future. Yes, and Join us next session. I think we'll be featuring another one of our new mini session series. And so you'll get to see what that one's all about. We will leave you in suspense, of course. (laughs) Don't forget to check out our social media for our monthly Freudian Scripter Spotlight. And don't forget to leave a review for a free sticker. And as we've mentioned a hundred times today, definitely check out our website, freudianscripts.com. We'll have resources on some of the topics that we discussed today, glossary of new terms. And we're always interested in hearing any thoughts or questions that you might have about the topics that we talked about, psychology, or even what movies and TV shows you want us to put on the couch next. As always, please subscribe, rate, and review. Time's up. See you next session. We'd like to thank our producer, Brandon, creative director, Eric, webmaster, Dawn. Mini sesh done.